This is an exclusive presentation of WoWo 1190 AM and 107.5 FM, Unholstered, giving you an in-depth look at all the stories, events, and topics that show how our officers serve and fight for our community every single day. Hey, good morning, WoWo Land. Welcome on in here to another edition of Unholstered. This is the episode, Sophia knows, my co-host, that I have been waiting to have since we started Unholstered. Uh, For those of you just joining us for the first time, my name is Kayla Blakesley. uh, And during the weekdays, I host a radio program in Fort Wayne, Indiana. And on the weekends, I obviously host this program alongside Sophia. Good morning, everyone. My name is Sophia Rosales-Catina, and I am a captain with the Fort Wayne Police Department, and I will back up what Kayla said. (laughs) I think the whole premise of this show started uh, from the aspect of self-defense and firearms. It did. Um, did. It's kind of morphed into what we're doing now. So It's crazy. Not a lot of people know that story, Sophia, and I won't won't share the whole thing because we've got an amazing guest in studio, and I want to get to him. But yes, this story, I picked up the phone and called you a couple of months ago about a situation of a friend of mine being stalked at a local gym here, and I asked what her rights were. And in this particular situation, she didn't have many rights, and that scared me. And so it brought up the conversation between you and I of self-defense. And lo and behold, here we are, unholstered as in existence, where your local media has been teaming up with your local police department here in Fort Wayne, Indiana, just to really join forces to talk about all the events and topics that you want to talk about. And I always say it, nothing is off limits. And so far, that's really been the case. So we've talked about everything from drugs to mental health. For folks who have missed any previous episodes, you can download them anywhere you download a podcast. But today's episode is all about guns and self-defense, particularly when it comes to women carrying firearms. You know, um, owning or shooting a firearm for the first time can be a little bit scary, can be a little bit intimidating. I have been there myself, so that's why I'm so excited to have um, the conversation today. Sophia, who's our expert that you brought in today? Uh, This morning, we're going to hear from Michael Vanover. He is a self-defense expert. Um, I've had the pleasure of attending a couple of his classes, and he's magnificent in Hmm, how he trains. I didn't get an invite for that. Uh, (laughs) Well, I had to check him out first, make sure he was up to par. (laughs) And he is uh, most undoubtedly up to par. So um, they were women's classes primarily, so that was the focus. Uh, And it's different for women training than it is for men. Mm -hmm. Women are very anxious on the range and um, in self-defense classes. And, you know, he just brought a lot of ease to a lot of the women there. And they were very grateful and they had really good comments to say about him. So I'll let him introduce himself. Go ahead. Well, thank you for having me here today. I appreciate it. I just um, want to know how you become a firearms expert well, or a self-defense you know, I, expert. I, I'd like to know that, too, because even <laughs> though I'm flattered to hear that, you know, I'm an expert, there's still always a lot to learn. And, um, you know, I've been at this since I was six years old, started out in competitive judo. And so I've got about 36 years under my belt of uh, wow. being involved in martial arts on different venues. And I've competed all over the place and in different arts and, and different styles and had a lot of fun with it over the years. But I, I really geared myself towards self-defense here in the last since, well, I'd say since 09, because there's definitely a, a need there for uh, people who have the ability to teach. So, you know, I am I am an instructor in, in firearms, and that's, you know, different NRA certifications. I'm a certified force-on-force instructor for law enforcement, and, uh, you know, I've, I'm also a force science analyst. So I've got to spend a lot of time with some really great professionals that have a tremendous amount of knowledge. So... Um, you know, I, I am an instructor, uh, definitely a self-defense professional and, and firearms uh, professional. So, you know, I enjoy, I enjoy getting out there and helping other people. And really, that's what the, is at the core of it. 
Do you own a gym in and around the area? Or? I do. I own a gym in Wells County. Okay. So I've had that there in operation actually since 2000, so two different locations. Uh, so yeah, we, uh, we're in there quite a bit, and like I said, we try to change lives best we can. I don't know about you, Sophia, but I'd kind of like to start here, um, kind of speaking to the females, or males for that matter, I guess it doesn't really matter, just people who are maybe, uh, you know, afraid of firearms. Uh, you know, when folks are frightened of guns or they're intimidated by them, it's usually just because they don't know about them. Oh, I absolutely agree with that. You know, you have to understand that a firearm is a tool like anything else. And overall, I could lay a firearm on a desk somewhere and it's going to go years in its entire existence as long as no one mishandles it. Uh, not harming anyone. So uh, we get a lot of first-time shooters, especially in our basic pistols course, that are afraid. And they tell us that, you know, and I'm glad to hear that because um, that means I have a chance to really make an impact in that person's life and really change something for them fundamentally. So I, I think there is a lot of fear concerning firearms. Um, women are more readily available to admit that than men are mm -hmm. because, of course, we know men are born uh, knowing how to handle fire, dogs, chainsaws, and knowing how to fight. So they sometimes make uh, uh, poor students that aren't always really forthcoming. So uh, women definitely are, are more forthcoming with that. But I think there is some a fear associated with it. But we have to understand, again, it is a tool. It's a dangerous tool, but um, it's it's no more dangerous than, than, you know, again, like a chainsaw that you could mishandle and hurt somebody or yourself with. And getting the proper instruction helps put a lot of that to rest. And, you know, we have to, of course, treat that with a lot of respect. It is a dangerous tool, and if mishandled, sure, it has the possibility to take life. We see that every day. So I think, again, like most things, education is the key, mm -hmm. and that's what I spend the majority of my time doing. I think it's nice to have like a healthy fear. Um, I would kind of put myself in that category because I know what the guns can do. I've, I've been in police for 28 years. Yeah. I know what they can do to people. I know what happens when people mishandle them. I know when you know they negligently discharge the firearm. Uh, so I know those kinds of things, and I'm always super careful. I'm, I'm that person on the range that's, you know, checking my gun multiple, multiple times to make sure I don't have something in the chamber. Um, so it's, it's I don't want to be ever be that person, you know, because uh, we do have, you know, negligent discharges, and they're handled very severely through internal affairs. But, you know, you never want to be that person with a circle on the floor with your name next to it um, from a negligent discharge. So... Uh, you know, I think having that is, is good, uh, but it shouldn't prevent you from learning and wanting to learn just how to properly handle one. You don't have to carry. I, you know, if you want to, that's great, but I don't think it's a it's a must for everyone, and it probably shouldn't be for everyone. Uh, but I do think it's important f for females, especially, to get used to the idea of maybe this may be for you. You mentioned that having a, a fear of it is somewhat healthy. Um, and I always, I kind of equate it to that of, you know, when you're driving a car and my parents would always say to me, oh, we're so nervous about you driving a car for the first time. And they say, well, it isn't because you're a bad driver. It's because everybody else, you know, on the roadways. Well, sure. That's why I carry everywhere I go. Being in this line of work, it's something I think that's just second nature to me now. Uh, but, you know, I have a family to protect as well as mm -hmm. myself and anyone else who may need that as well. So I think for me, it's more of... I just want people to be comfortable in the fact that they can do this. It's it's great, but get into a class. Get into one of Mike's classes. Get into another class somewhere else. There's several places yeah, I around. Um, You'd be welcome. <laughs> but you know, get get familiar with it. And, it, and it, you may come to find that you don't want to carry. But what if someone you're with is carrying, and you have to pick up that gun after that person goes down for some reason or another and defend yourself? 
you should at least know how to operate one safely uh, and to, you know, utilize it if need be. I think having a healthy respect for, for firearms is very, very important. And again, because they are a dangerous tool mm-hmm. uh, and, and understanding the capabilities of that and how you must always uh, treat that thing with respect in regards to yourself because it can hurt you too. Mm-hmm. So there is a proper way to handle something and there's an improper way. And knowing those rules and understanding that really, again, is the key to uh, assuaging those fears or getting people to understand that, hey, um, you know, I can carry a weapon every day, but there's a responsible way to do it and an irresponsible way to do it. Mike, you equated guns to being that uh, of a tool, a dangerous tool. Um, and you also said it's really important for people to first and foremost, obviously, get educated on said firearm. But let's say, let's just use me as an example. Let's say I'm going to go buy my first gun. How does a person go about choosing a firearm for yourself? It's a very common question I get a lot. Mm-hmm. I will tell you this. Uh, some of the worst advice you can get is at the gun shop. Really? Yes. Because they're just you know trying why. to sell you a product, right? Well, yeah. yeah. What's their job? They're yeah. salesmen. Look, I manage salespeople every day. Their job is to sell. Mm-hmm. When you're dealing with a salesperson... Um, either you're going to get sold or they're going to get sold. It's going to be one or the other, but it's going to be that same engagement every single time. So uh, be a little wary of that. Uh, find someone who does know, and that's the challenge to find somebody that does know, right? So you want to find somebody with the right kind of credentials, and you want to go to them, and you want to ask them, why should I choose this type of firearm or not? And, you know, I think that the what I've seen happen over and over again is a woman will come to a gun shop and say, what should I have? Right. And the first thing you're going to do is look at it and say, well, you know, you're probably going to have a revolver or something small like a, like a 380 uh, that you can handle. You know, I, I disagree with that because I look at it from a self-defense perspective all the time. And the facts are handguns are poor man stoppers. Um, if we look at uh, absolute statistics from places like the FBI and those who have collected data over the years and studied the subject very, very well, they find out what wins fights. Well, accuracy, accuracy would equate to what? Training and time on the range. Um, also uh, rounds on target, which we go back to accuracy and that's multiple rounds on target. So again, accuracy, um, but also then your recoil and your follow-up shots, magazine capacity wins fights because again, mm-hmm. handguns being poor man stoppers, uh, sometimes it would definitely take more than one round to stop a threat. And that's what we're trying to do is stop a threat and, and deter that uh, individual from continuing on their, their path of violent behavior towards us or another. So um, knowing all these things, then we, we need to be armed with that information. We go in and purchase a firearm and say, you know, what do we need? Sometimes going to the gun shop again and saying, what do I need? They're going to say, well, what do I want to sell? And what isn't really moving right now? And bottom line is if you're willing to say, hey, I'll take that, and they're going to sell it to you. So we go back to the old edge of a uh, caveat emptor, which is buyer beware, of course. Um, you're still the buyer, and you should still beware. So arm yourself with as much knowledge as you can. Is there, and I know I'm kind of putting you on the spot, but is there then a, a firearm for just a woman, first-time shooter? Let's say she's never even shot a gun in her life, and she wants it for the reason of self-defense. Is there a place where you at least tell her to start? For? Yeah, typically what I do, and this is for guys and gals. I mean, somebody comes to me, look, I'm a little nervous about shooting something. I normally choose something a little lower caliber that you know, yeah. I can put them at ease with just to get them the fundamentals and basics down. But I can't say that there's one type of firearm that a woman should start with you know i don't i I say that you know we start where we get people comfortable Mm -hmm. teach them the fundamentals and then build from there so i I personally would always choose a full-size uh handgun with without too many safety features because the bottom line is when you're under the effects of adrenaline and everything else uh, unless you have committed the time to really remove those safety features as you're drawing 
and you're faced with a violent encounter, which would absolutely be the worst day of your life, um, under those kind of pressures, you aren't going to always remember those things to do. How do you, like, mimic those pressures, you know? Like, one one situation that I find myself in often, because I have a daughter who's one, I'm constantly unloading her and loading her out of her car seat. So my back is always turned when I'm trying to put her in the car seat. And that's one of those situations I try to remain extremely vigilant and aware while I'm doing that, because I feel like I'm very vulnerable in that moment when I have my back completely turned to everything behind me. In that moment, let's just use that moment for example, how how do you apply when you're learning and you're there on the range and you're practicing self-defense, those kind of pressure situations to that you could potentially find yourself in? There are multiple ways to do that. Um, one, I would start off with this. When we talk about self-defense, everybody's expecting me to talk about, you know, cool kicks, punches, and all these strikes are going to end a fight within like three seconds, whatever. That's not the realistic case, okay? Um, self-defense really starts with a lot of preparation, also using your head more than anything. Mm-hmm. So the situation you kind of illustrated there for me was, uh, you know, I'm putting my, my child into a car seat. Well, what were the things that you did before you ever were putting that child in the car seat? What I mean by that is where did you park? Mm-hmm. Were you were you out exposing yourself to a late night trip? you know, trip to the store or whatever. I mean, maybe that wasn't the best thing for you or really anybody, especially if you have a small child and you're occupied and your focus is Mm -hmm. there. So did you park in a well-lit area? You know, did you park closer to the building? Did you go somewhere that you know is dangerous? Because if you did, you probably shouldn't be there to begin with. Um, But, you know, putting yourself where you have the most public exposure is always a good safety feature for guys or gals. Um, But not exposing yourself to just bad situations is where we would start before we do anything. Now, if we talk about training itself, I mean, there are ways to induce stress. Some of that is through physical exertion, okay, mm. like running, push-ups, whatever. Like run some laps and then right. come back. Right, sure. Gotcha. I mean, you do all kinds of things. <laughs> you like to run. Sophia, that's but, how you, how you but, like to run. Yeah. You know, the, the, presence, the presence of a clock or a timer sometimes just melts people down. You know, mm. it just does. But putting some mental pressure on those people, of course, because we're not, they know they're really not in danger. They're a safe environment. But we try to create the idea or the false sense of some sort of danger for those those students and then create a reflexive response to a violent stimulus, which if we if we really get in the science of it, which is way more than a you know twenty minute conversation, then we'll um, have to have you back. Right. I, well I'd be happy to do that. But uh, what you want to do is recreate create a reflexive response, a defensive reflexive response to dangerous stimulus that you recognize. And we turn off the thought process with it a lot. We really try to and it's that same way with any response as a defensive response to an attack because bottom line is we aren't looking for a fight. We're not looking for trouble. And you didn't go to the grocery store with your child to go pick a fight or mm-hmm. be in a defense situation. You just right. did not. So it's an ambush every single time. It's a lot like law enforcement. I mean, law enforcement out there enforcing the law, but it's always an ambush. And so you're already behind. And that's the reason, like I said, it has to be reflexive. By the time you think I should, it's already too late. They always train us that action is, uh, is faster than reaction. So, you know, having that forethought to always be aware of where you are like Mike said, where you park, you know, uh, look around before you put your daughter in the car. Is anyone in close to you? Is there cars parked next to you? Um, are the windows fogged up? And on days like this, there's someone sitting inside that car. I mean, these are all things you should be aware of in your surroundings. And that's wherever you go, even in the quote unquote better neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, crime happens everywhere. It's not just in that neighborhood over there. And we see that with our crime stats throughout the city of Fort Wayne, right? So we see that. Uh, thefts from vehicles and, and assaults and armed robberies, just robberies, uh, strong arm robberies. They're, they're all, they occur all over this, the city. So just being aware of where you are is, is rule number one and who's around you. 
Okay, here's then another situation. And I don't know if it's necessarily a common situation, but again, in terms of self-defense, the situation of someone breaking into your home, and let's say you do have a firearm, at what moment can you fire that firearm at this person? If they're breaking into your home, whether to steal something or to cause physical harm to you or your spouse or what, what mm-hmm. have you, mm-hmm. you know, I know there's a lot of legalities that come into when are... Sure there is. You know, it's a, it's a common question for me. And I'll tell you this, you ever enter in a class where an instructor tells you when you should shoot uh, or when your life is in danger, get away from that person immediately because they don't oh, know what wow. they're talking about. Okay. Yeah. Um, I don't know how else to put it. The bottom line is, I think the law in Indiana for self-defense is pretty solid. And, and you know, I'm not an attorney, but here's, you know, my understanding is if you feel your life is in danger or you're facing grievous bodily harm or someone else is, you have the right to defend yourself by any means necessary, okay? Um, it has to be reasonable in the eyes of the law. But what's nice is the 2020 view through your eyes at the time and during that situation. And you have to be able to articulate that, of course. But um, you also, if you're, if you're stopping a forceful felony, which I know Sophia can shed a little more light on what that exactly is, but um, these are situations in where you can defend your life. One thing you cannot do is defend property. And that's, that's really mm. the truth of the matter. So now people ask me all kinds of what ifs questions when, when this situation or this subject comes up. And what I say is, if you feel in your heart that your life is in danger, then that's when you use whatever self-defense techniques are available to you, okay? But that's a feeling you have. And it's also something you have to live with. And that's the reason I say if an instructor tells you, well, you should have pulled the trigger here, there, or whatever, they're not the one that's going to have to look at that and live with taking the life of another human being. I recently took a class, and I won't say where, uh, just because I don't want to get anyone in trouble. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like you probably shouldn't tell me already. <laughs> well, well, and uh, you know what, though? He, and this is the reason I actually asked this question, and I actually think he had good advice, but we're sitting here right next to the law, so I mean, I'll put, you know, I'll also put the question to you, Sophia. Uh, but this particular instructor, I bought a Glock 43, and it's the first pistol I've ever owned, so I went, they offer a free training course yeah, with Glocks the are good handguns. Uh, so I went, of course, to take the, it's a free class that comes with the purchase, essentially. And I actually asked that same exact question, um, and he said in the moment of property, like if, if someone's breaking into your house and stealing your TV, no, you can't shoot. But in the moment of you think your life is in danger, you, you can shoot in the state of Indiana. But I mean, Sophia, you're the law. You're sitting next to us. I feel like you're really the best person to ask that question. Gosh, I feel like I'm the expert here on, on you everything. You are. I would say you're everything. the expert and I'm the average no. Joe. <laughs> um, so that level of, of threat that you perceive is going to be different for everyone. So my level of threat as a female police officer is going to be different from your level of threat as just a regular Joe mm-hmm. female, right? Uh, Mike's level of expertise on things would make his level of threat completely different than mine. Definitely. So everyone has their own kind of uh, threat level here. And that's why we say we can't really say yes or no. Now, when we look at things and we train, uh, we train uh, when we train firearms, our academy staff is really good at picking out things throughout the country that happen. And when we get video from that, they're good at playing that for us and recreating situations that put us in those kinds of situations. And we can kind of and it's not to say that this officer did wrong or right, but it's to put it in our mind of. Things that can happen, you know, if, if you've run through things in your mind of things that can happen when they do, you have a you have something to go on. Right. So it's something about thinking about where you are, where that person was, what they did, how you could improve maybe that situation or if they just did the best they could. Um, hmm. So it's it's so different for everyone. And, you know, like Mike said, it's really hard to put it into words of 
when you should shoot Kayla and when Mike should shoot right. and when Sophia should shoot. Um, we're just all different, and our threat levels are different. But is that true? You have a right to do not. I mean, you can't. Yeah, you can't your defend pro- property with deadly force. Right, gotcha. Correct. Yes, um, that would that would be bad. <laughs> You're putting it politely. <laughs> yeah, and you know, I hear people all the all the time. You know, you see them on uh, when people post things on social media. Oh, I would have shot them, and I yeah, would, you, you do know, see that that's a lot. really good armchair quarterback and keyboard worrying. Yep. But when you're faced with that in reality, um, it's really hard to do. It's hard to take another person's life. Um, I thank God I've never had to experience that, but I have friends who have, and it, it's tough. And even when you're justified in doing it, it's still tough. Um, this is someone else's life. There's a question I've been dying to ask you, Sophia, and I kind of want to actually ask Mike as well. And I don't want us to get political, but I still want to ask this question. Unfortunately, sometimes it can blur those lines a little bit. But do people shoot people or do guns shoot people? I'm a big advocate of self-respect responsibility mm-hmm. um i i've never in my life heard of a gun firing on its own without mm-hmm. someone behind that pulling that trigger whether it's on purpose or negligently um it's one of the two guns don't just fire upon themselves and, and indiscriminately hit someone someone's behind that pulling that trigger it's it's people um and it's never going to be different for me uh, i still cannot kind of wrap my head around how people are so awful to each other mm-hmm. and what they do and it's 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 difficult in this line of work to day in and day out hear about things not only in our city but nationally you know we're increase in, in shootings all over murders all over the country and you know we're having our own here you know we just had a grandmother shot in her own driveway mm-hmm. um, so it, it's difficult um, but I've never I've never known just a gun to shoot I I it's always been a person behind that gun uh, with evil intention in their heart. Yeah, I would concur with that. So, again, personal responsibility is huge. Um, I've never seen a firearm go out and commit a crime any more than I've seen a hammer go and drive in nails, you know, mm-hmm. on a construction site. So, um, for me, again, it's a tool. It's an inanimate object. Mm-hmm. It's the responsibility behind that that makes a big difference. Um, you know, even in the absence of firearms. Uh, people have been very good at finding ways to do very bad things to one another. So, uh, you know, if it's knives, knives are uh, definitely prolific. And I think that, you know, more people are probably injured with those than about anything. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it goes back to personal responsibility. It's an inanimate object. It can be misused. It can be used for a righteous reason. It can be used for a very bad reason. All right. I've got to ask this since you bring up knives. And yes, according to the FBI's most recent data that was just released uh, back in September, um, more people are killed by knives than they are by guns. Um, another topic for another day. But speaking of knives, I have heard if someone's coming after you with a knife uh, versus a gun, uh, you're going to want to shoot the person with the knife simply because that knife can cause more damage, more bodily harm than the gun. Is that true? And should I be trying to shoot the person with the knife versus the person with the gun if that's even a scenario someone would find themselves in? Um, knives are a deadly weapon. If you're coming at me mm-hmm. with a knife and I have a gun, if I'm going to shoot you. Um, it's a justified shoot. It's a deadly weapon. And, you know, I hear people all the time, just shoot the arm or shoot the leg or shoot the gun out of their, or knife out of their hand. In stressful situations, most yeah. people, Talk including about accuracy. officers, <laughs> including officers are lucky to hit the person, mm-hmm. period. Trying to shoot a gun out of someone's or a knife out of someone's hand is... An impossible thing. It's like one in a million, yeah. even for someone who's highly all, trained. All ridiculous premises. I mean, seriously. I mean, someone that would say that to you really has no concept of what they're talking about. 
period. They just don't. You know, so anyone who's been under the effects of adrenaline or, or really been in a situation where their life was in danger understands some things. You know, one is uh, you're operating on some very primal parts of your brain, mm-hmm. mainly the amygdala, and um, blood is going to leave your extremities, which leaves a very trembling and tingling feeling. Uh, your vision will narrow. Sometimes you have, um, you know, audio occlusion where you just don't hear anything. Uh, very possible. Um, again, you, you're, you're under the influence of adrenaline, most powerful drug on the planet Earth. And every time dilates sometimes, you know, sometimes it can speed up. Uh, people have some very odd effects with that. And uh, it's very hard to say, now all of a sudden I'm going to shoot a knife out of somebody's hand. I, I equate real fear, and if anybody's experienced it, real fear, to drowning. And I can tell you right now, having experienced that and been in that situation, um, both uh, self-defense and, and almost drowning, that no one wants to ever relive that. It's terrifying. Mm-hmm. It's a complete feeling of helplessness, and you're doing what you have to do to survive and defend your life. Um, no one's going to have a semblance of mind to, I'm going to shoot a knife out of somebody's hand or shoot somebody in the leg. Or you're, trying, you're trying to stop the threat, stop right. in the most efficient manner, in the quickest manner okay, uh, that you have possible to, to protect lives. Let me ask you this real quick as we're wrapping up here this morning, Mike, for someone, you know, like me who's listening right now and they're like, man, I, I want to go see Mike. I'd like to learn more or, hey, I just purchased this firearm or I'm going to purchase a firearm. How could people find you and get in touch with you? Like I said, a.k.a. me. I'm happy to put out my, my cell phone number or, or website. And, you know, people can talk, contact yeah. me a lot through that. Our website is www.teamteamjujutsu.com. So it's J-U. J-U-T-S-U. You knew I wasn't going to know how to spell that. S-U.com. <laughs> yeah, no one can. You so again, that's, and my email is available on there also. Okay, awesome. So yeah. people are feeling the need. They they want to learn more and get with an expert who knows what he's talking about. Right. Just don't go to your cousin Billy Bob's right. friend, Joe Schmo, and have him teach you how to use a firearm. You ha- Go to someone who has some credentials behind them, who has some significant training, and who's able to tell you not only just how to fire that firearm, but also the responsibilities that come along with owning a firearm, because well, those are huge. And speaking of those responsibilities, that's what I want to do with you next week, Sophia. I want to talk a lot about uh, permits and concealed carries and how all of it works from state to state. If you cross the state lines w- with your firearm, just kind of all of the, the legal slash gun safety protocols that firearm owners really need to be aware of. We will do that and I'll also kind of expand on that to kind of go into the quote-unquote gun gun show loophole and we'll talk about straw purchases. We'll talk about all these things so people at least have the correct information when they talk Yeah, I'd love to talk have the gun show loophole conversation if it's real or not. Yes. All right, sounds good. We'll do that next week. Your town, your team, your topics. This is Unholstered. Thanks for listening to Unholstered. Be sure to subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you listen. And remember, you can listen every Saturday morning at 1030 on WoWo 1190 and 107.5 FM. Podcasts by Federated Media.